Welcome to Sky Talkers. Here are your hosts, Charlotte and Caitlin. Hello, and welcome to Sky Talkers. I'm your host, Charlotte. Hey, everyone. I am your other host, Caitlin, and welcome to our mid-season finale where we're talking all about the episode Station Theta Black for Resistance. It was directed by Sergio Paez and written by Brandon Alman. Yay. I'm excited that it's the mid-season finale, but I'm also a little sad that we're going to go, I don't even know how long until the Resistance returns. Well, I wonder if they'll schedule so the finale like coincides with Celebration or something like that, or like you could view the finale early at Celebration. They're totally going to do that. Wow. Yeah. They're doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that just makes sense to me. Yeah, it does for the first season finale. So you'll get the end of Resistance. I bet there, there's going to be a big Clone Wars thing there, obviously. And then, oh my God, Celebration, there's going to be – wow. I'm just like, <laughs> oh, we'll get the end of Resistance. We'll get the start of – this is actually good. So we'll get the end of Resistance, start of Clone Wars. We'll get something for The Mandalorian, I'm sure. Episode 9, of mm-hmm. course, Galaxy's Edge. Like, I was stressed and I'm still stressed. But the good thing is that they're having all of these events so that, like, people are going to be spread out across events. You know what I mean? So, like, there's going to be oh a greater – Oh, my God. so true. It's going to be – like, rooms are not going to be as full or it's not going to be as much as, like, a dogfight for these specific panels because there's just going to be so much. You're going to have to prioritize. Mm-hmm. Wow. I'm actually really into that. I Me hope, too. I hope that that – I mean, like it actually happens. <laughs> I know. I'm like already thinking through our priority list, like episode nine, Clone Wars, and then like we'll see where yeah. we are. <laughs> I think that's yes, exactly. I mean, I feel yeah. like the Mandalorian is going to be somewhere in there if they ev- if they do some sort of thing that's like watch the first episode of the Mandalorian. I feel like that might be a little irresistible because we that might premiere in like. Or, like, watch the first 10 minutes of The Mandalorian. Maybe they wouldn't even, like, tease that, but I bet that's something that they would kind of consider showing at Celebration. Yeah, I bet with The Mandalorian we won't know, though, that they're going to do any kind of clip. Um, Whereas with Clone Wars, I think you can probably bank there's going to be something or at least a new trailer, which if Dave Filoni's on stage, we got to be there. Gosh darn it. Um, (laughs) And then Episode Nine, of course, like, there's going to be a lot there. Resistance, I can uh, wait and watch at home. I don't know. I'm just, uh, What's so incredible about this conversation, though, is how far and how much production is happening for Star Wars television. Because you didn't even mention the Diego Luna, Ca- uh, Cassie and Andor show. Oh, my That God. could potentially also be teased at Celebration. Wow, you're like, right. So that's f- literally four high-quality, exceptional television productions. <laughs> stuff that they need to announce a celebration which means that next year's slate for star wars television is so busy <laughs> can, i can lucasfilm just let us live <laughs> no they can't i think they're about to let us live for like three weeks from yeah um the, right they're, now they're giving us like, a holiday break <laughs> but <laughs> but that said they could like drop the title of Oh. episode nine like really soon like don't you feel it i think i feel like I, everyone's feeling it yeah charlotte was <laughs> charlotte was talking about it we, we were talking about the title drop earlier this week and i was like you know i really don't think i'm emotionally ready for a year of promo of this is the end of the skywalker saga so honestly 
I'm okay if they push back promo as far as they like if they want to hold it in as long as they want because I just know it's gonna hit me in the feels every time I see it and do can I handle a year of that (laughs) (laughs) no I don't know I don't know um I don't know yeah (laughs) Star Wars owns us essentially Star Wars does own us (laughs) not a not essentially it does (laughs) They really do. They really do. Let's jump into discussing Station Theta Black, though. Let's. So in part one, we are going to go through our highs and lows. Part two is all about story. And then part three is characters. So without further ado, let's get started. So who talks first? You talk first? I talk first. All right. Welcome to part one, where you guys know it. We're going through our highs and lows of the episode. So Charlotte, why don't you start us off with your first high? Um, okay. <laughs> I'm so happy to see the return of CB23 and BB8 and their relationship. Like, I guess it's a ship now because <laughs> Poe even said, um, like, knock it off, love droids or something. First, <laughs> love the title, love droids. Yes, I think that's their <laughs> ship name. <laughs> I think they're love, love droids. droids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hashtag love droids. I'm a, kind of obsessed with them. I am too. Um, We talked a lot about CB23 the last time she was in the episode, and I wish we'd had a little bit more with her, honestly. They had that amazing scene, but then that was – she was around, but it wasn't wasn't as heartfelt as her last appearance. It's it's definitely not over, though. (laughs) We're getting more CB23. (laughs) They're fully invested in this relationship. This is the beginning of their relationship. Is this this the only, like, non-angsty relationship we have in Star Wars? Like, watch it. Watch it like a hawk. (laughs) But it began with minor angst. Yeah, but it was like enemies to lovers, which is a great trope. You know, it's not really angst. Lovers, quote unquote. Love droids. Love droids. droids. Enemy droids to love droids. Tale as old as time, really. Okay, so what was your high? My first high was um, when BB-8 was agreeing with Kaz over Poe. And Poe got mad about it. They were, like, trying to make some plan or whatever. And Kaz, I can't remember what he said, but Kaz was like, yeah, we're not supposed to engage. Like, I don't think we should go that way. Poe was like, yeah, no, we should go this way. And bb it's like, no, we shouldn't go that way. And Poe was like, wait a second. You're my droid. And, and Kaz best, was like, the best part about that, yeah, is what you're about to say. Yeah, and Kaz was like, no, I know, because, like, BB-8 knows that whenever I'm involved, like, a plan doesn't go according to plan. So, like, we shouldn't do that. <laughs> BB-8 was like... Yes, agreed. <laughs> that was so funny. I laughed out loud. Yeah, so did I. This this show never fails to make me laugh out loud at least twice. Um, yeah, even though this episode was like kind of a more serious, kind of more action-packed episode, they mm-hmm. still got the laughs in there, and I laughed about a lot of stuff. I think Kaz just in general like makes me laugh a lot with his like freaking out. <laughs> and <laughs> even if there wasn't like any sort of – um, like specific joke, like almost that. I think I just laugh at Kaz freaking out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the scene when they're standing in between the stormtroopers and he's like, uh, "We should not engage." Remember what Leia said: "Don't engage, don't engage, don't engage." <laughs> and Poe was just super calm. <laughs> <laughs> it's classic, it cl- classic Kaz. <laughs> so, what was your second high? So I, my second high was something that we actually I touched on on the last episode was I felt a real sense of Poe's cockiness in this episode and how he doesn't necessarily have a f- firm grip on like <laughs> being safe. Um, and 
is definitely has the um, get your head out of the cockpit uh, type of personality in these episodes. <laughs> and I know we had speculated last time that it could possibly go either way about um, Poe being more like man of the resistance and um you know what i'm you know what i mean like we had mm-hmm. we had speculated about like which way they were going to go with post character and like whether or not we were going to you know see certain aspects that allow his arc in the last jedi to happen and honestly i think we are because in this episode i felt kind of i felt kind of like i i didn't really like the choices that Poe was making in the episode and I was a little frustrated by them and I think that was like by default and on purpose and I actually really appreciate that you know Mm -hmm. yeah it was strange kind of seeing Kaz being right about what they should be doing um, yeah when it was Poe who's supposed to be taking charge but yeah if you guys didn't hear our last episode or whenever we last talked about um Poe's character I think it was in the episode last episode Okay, so last episode. Um, <laughs> basically, we were talking about these two ideas of what's going to happen with Poe to kind of make his um, story arc in The Last Jedi kind of make sense. Either he's going to have a massive failure in resistance and it's going to push him to the other extreme that we see at the start of The Last Jedi of like, I have to prove myself now because mm-hmm. I messed up so badly with, you know, Kaz and the Colossus. It's either going to go that way or it's going to be like he just keeps having win after win after win and – you know, kind of, you know, it's like Icarus flies too close to the sun. He thinks he's invincible, which is what we see in The Last Jedi, but he's really not. Um, I tend to think it's going to go towards the latter. Um, but I think I think the other one, is the, the first theory is totally viable as well. And I think this episode, mm-hmm. like you said, Charlotte, is still leading us towards one of those options. Um, because yeah. even though Kaz was – or uh, Poe was super cocky throughout this episode, he still like got – intel and got out alive you know what i mean and you see him kind of freak out at the end where there's that possibility that something happened to kaz but it's Mm -hmm. all like he's not freaked out enough because he's still kind of like no this is this isn't gonna go wrong this is gonna go right like kaz is still alive everything's fine everything's fine like he doesn't want to believe anything else could have happened to kaz Exactly. And I think I just really appreciate just like almost from a meta standpoint, like the fact that they're giving a lot of characterization to Poe mm-hmm. um, when almost technically Oscar Isaac is a cameo. I don't I don't like I said in the last episode as well, like I don't consider this a cameo anymore. But I think that we're getting a lot of characterization of Poe that honestly I didn't expect when we started this episode. And I think this episode, not this episode. I didn't expect it when we started the series and this episode is a perfect example of that for me in mm-hmm. that I f- I'm getting more in I'm getting deeper into Poe's character. Yeah, yeah, cuz if you've listened to any of our last Jedi recap when it first came out, um I never I never loved how much the Poe storyline took away from Finn's storyline in episode eight Mm -hmm. um i liked what they did with his character i just didn't like how much time it took away from finn's story arc but seeing him here in resistance like you said it's i i'm a lot more invested in his character and what i think is great too about poe being in resistance is it's showing how you can take a, a pretty main character through the sequel trilogy and translate it into animation and it's working really well and i think mm-hmm. a lot of that is aided by the fact that oscar isaac is the one doing the voice and of course gwendolyn christie is doing phasma's voice we have a lot of crossover there that i think is really helpful because I think that's something we all always worry about is seeing 
it's always a big thing when you see the the main screen characters coming into other forms, particularly animation, and it's always treated as a big deal. But like you said, mm-hmm. how they're kind of making Poe not a cameo, it's it's like it's not surprising to see him kind of operating in this animated world. And mm-hmm. it's not I'm not thinking about I don't know. I don't know if that makes sense, but it's like it, it's it's crossing these bridges easier between these different mediums, having a character like Poe, who is a main character of the sequel trilogy, but he's not like Ray and Kylo status. And so mm-hmm. I think once we do see Ray and Kylo, or Kylo at least in Resistance, I don't know, I think it's going to be easier to not take in, but just accept that they're like mm-hmm. one in the same. I don't know if mm-hmm. any of that makes sense. No, I, I agree. I think that there's something there about translating a film character to a cartoon animated television show there it's there's a challenge there and it's successful in this series i think so far at least Mm -hmm. definitely so what was your second high my second high was i really liked the backdrops of the like hangar bays of the first order Mm -hmm. and like this desolate first order uh outpost i thought it looked Mm -hmm. really nice um I just I really like the animation of it. It reminded me of a lot of that episode in Rebels where Hera and Sabine go to that like old I think it was an old um, like Clone Wars era depot or something, and there are all those like rabid animals there who like mm. end up attacking them. Do you remember that episode? Mm-hmm. I do. It, I don't know the like set pieces like had that same vibe, um, but with the resistance one that we just saw in the first order, it was like very um, pristine. It was very eerie. I don't know. I liked how it looked a lot. I had a similar reaction, but I find it. I think that our mind is supposed to do something interesting here, where in this empty hangar that is definitely grand and clean and like opulent. It was interesting to see Kaz and Poe specifically there and like not be super impressed by it. But then we start The Force Awakens when he gets out mm-hmm. from his captivity in um from Jakku and he gets onto the I don't know what Star Destroyer it is. Yeah. He looks around in like such wonder and such awe. And I feel like in that moment it was it's his first time seeing um, the hangar bay and like the first order, like the complete prowess of the entire regime. And it's funny because now in the show, we're seeing like it basically empty, like he's not experiencing that at all. And yeah. so it, it proves to be like an amazing contrast, I think. In mm-hmm. now, when you watch that scene in The Force Awakens, you're like, whoa, Poe's actually never seen this it to like its full capacity to its like full ability you know yeah i think that's a really good observation i wonder too about the different size because this one is just on like a mining kind of operation oh, yeah. so i imagine it's actually a lot smaller than what he actually encounters on in the uh force awakens but i think you're right mm-hmm. it's like there's a difference between walking into an empty hangar bay and being like oh this is big to actually seeing one in operation with like like, tie fighters and everything all around how much resources they actually have exactly and it was like in this episode you can't really tell it's like oh it's an empty place like sure this is kind of impressive i wonder why they destroy all of this but Mm -hmm. it when in the force awakens when he sees it like completely full like a lot of activity happening um i'm sure the contrast is really there and it's really smart the way they played that up i think yeah. i think you're you're supposed to make that comparison when you see them 
explore that station. Definitely. It's hard not to. Mm-hmm. So what was your low for the episode? I think the this is like a super minor detail and maybe it doesn't even matter. But so in that like one to two minutes where Poe is kind of calming for Kaz, thinking that he lost Kaz in the explosion, I didn't really feel a sense of like worry because I knew that Kaz had BB-8. And I think that it just would have been better if mm-hmm. Kaz had CB-23 instead of BB-8 because you just know too much, I guess. <laughs> you know yeah. that they're not going to like have anything bad happen to BB-8. And I feel like them switching those droids there actually wouldn't have made that big of a story difference. And I think it would have just like raised the stakes just even more, just a little bit. I, I don't know. I didn't feel that sense of tension. I really wanted to because I, I kind of knew that that wasn't going to happen with BB-8 there. Yeah, that's a good observation. I hadn't thought about that. It would have made sense, too, for them to switch the droids because the last time we saw CB-23 and BB-8 and Poe, they BB-8, like, went into Poe's ship and CB-23 was like, yeah, mm-hmm. I wish I was flying with Poe. Like, it would have made yeah. sense for the same thing to have happened for, like, Poe to have spent that time with BB-8, like, prior to things going wrong um, mm-hmm. here. Because, yeah, you're right. It's like, you know BB-8's okay. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah. Milo was, I don't know, this wasn't my favorite episode. Um, it, it didn't deliver the like the wow factor that I think yeah. maybe I had too high of expectations coming into the mid-season finale. Um, it's definitely not my favorite episode of the season um, or of the half season we've seen so far. I don't know if it was the pacing or maybe it was too much action, not enough like character talk. Maybe I just missed the Colossus. I don't know. Um, but this wasn't my favorite episode overall. And I think it I think it might have been a little bit of the pacing, but I couldn't quite pinpoint it. It just this one didn't captivate me like the others have in quite the same way. Yeah, I th- I'm interested to see how this episode will age well because I feel mm-hmm. like we actually learned like a couple of small tidbits in this episode that will affect um, the season going forward. So I wonder if we'll continue to reference it, but I don't know if that necessarily makes it like an, a standout all-star episode. Yeah. Um, because I'm, I- I'm with you. I'm with you about the pacing. Yeah, because I, I really loved the last Poe and Kaz episode where they were off the Colossus. That's mm-hmm. one of my top episodes of the season. So I know it's not that because I, I always enjoy their banter together. So I don't know what it was, but I mean, I still liked it. I just think the rest of the season was honestly better. But yeah, I think agreed. you're right. It, ha- it it left some good breadcrumbs as far as like the First Order is concerned for like our bigger picture of war. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it, it – maybe, maybe it was a little too broad and we were used to like yeah. <laughs> extremely minute character stories. Mm-hmm. That, that's kind of what we've been delivered so far in Resistance, you know? Yeah. All right, well, let's move into part two to actually start talking about those broader story beats we saw. Yes. Okay, so welcome to part two. Um, So, Caitlin, what is the state of the resistance? I'm glad we can finally start talking a little bit more about the resistance because right? there's been a lot about the First <laughs> Order, which, again, was so surprising. I don't know why I didn't think it would be more about the First Order, but it's surprising how the First Order takes up a lot more screen time than resistance in the show called resistance (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) but the resistance the resistance is still working on some things and it sounds like leia has a lot of ideas and a lot of she's got like her own head cannons it seems like about the first order 
um, that she's not quite ready to divulge to the Senate, which I think is really mm-hmm. interesting. Um, I think the ending scene was actually quite interesting, Kaz and Leia's conversation. But I think I, – I feel like Leia right now is kind of gathering, like holding her cards close to her chest in a way to make sure she knows what's really going on. Yeah, and she she has to. Um, mm-hmm, I yeah. feel like she doesn't have a choice yet because they don't have anything super concrete, which is unfortunate because it feels like the resistance can't fully be the resistance until something truly bad happens like Hosnian Prime and Starkiller Base. Which which feels a bit like a repeat of the rebellion. I think there was a line that Leia said something about how she is kind of thinking about what's happening. And I was, I kind of had this flashback that she's just kind of feeling like it's the same steps that are going towards what happened with the Death Star. And to imagine her having almost like Death Star flashbacks really kind of Mm. makes me really sad. And I think that's exactly what's happening here. And I feel like she can't go public with any of this until they have some concrete evidence. And it really like it drives home what's going to happen when they do have concrete evidence, because right now it's a bunch of spies. It's a bunch of like whispers. Yeah, sure. They have they found this hangar that I guess they're mining stuff. But what are they mining for? I guess it's for blasters. But like why? They don't really know yet. And they don't know about Starkiller Base. So Mm -hmm. and they won't know until The Force Awakens. So it's kind of it's a little frustrating and sad for as like to witness a like faction like the resistance feel like they won't have the support until something truly awful happens and I, mm-hmm. I think that's the reality of war which is rough yeah yeah I think you're right I hope that I don't know it, from it kind of removing it from Leia like the emotion that you were talking about of her having like Death Star and Alderaan flashbacks from like mm-hmm. a story beat, I hope that we see it kind of play out a little differently than what does happen with the rebellion because it sounds really similar. And I mean, it, maybe that's just playing into the larger story of like what Ray and Kylo are going to do in episode nine is that the cycle is just constantly repeating, even in this compressed timeline of like the generation of of Luke and Leia. Um, and, like, their mm-hmm. parents and then their children. Um, the fact mm-hmm. that, like, the same steps are happening with the Empire and First Order, maybe that just makes it all the more tragic is that the exact same thing is happening and everyone is too, like, has their heads in the sand and doesn't want to think about, you know, an Alderaan number two when it's going to be so much worse the second time around. Maybe that just plays into the tragedy more. Um, but I hope mm-hmm. – I don't know. I hope we see something a little different develop. And I think we will just given the, like I said, kind of the compressed timeline of resistance. Um, things are going to be happening at a much faster pace than what we saw in like Rebels. Mm-hmm. I am curious to see what's going to happen with Kaz casually meant- mentioning that his father is a senator, which did we know that before? Or did we just speculate that? No, we knew that. He says that in the first episode. Okay. I completely forgot about that. And I think that it really does bring about like some interesting conflict that he, the fact that he mentioned to Leia, like once people like my father know, like everyone's going to want to help basically is what he was saying, which we know is not true at all from The Last Jedi. No one responds to the call. And because of that, I think the resistance is just kind of screwed. Like that that's truly how I feel about the resistance right now and like th- throughout the beginning of, you know, uh, episode 7 and 8. I feel like 
<laughs> I feel like every choice that they're going to make is going to be wrong. I don't know. Do you get that sense or is that just me? Yeah, totally. I mean, <laughs> the, I mean, the Resistance is obviously going to have a lot to deal with going into The Force Awakens. That's kind of the whole point. So I guess we're just kind of leading to that, which mm-hmm. makes sense. Makes me worried for Kaz. <laughs> um, but I'm 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 excited to get back to the Colossus and see how the Colossus kind of fits into all of this, you know? Me too. Me too. I yeah. now let's talk about the first order because honestly, like I feel like we were just getting so much information about the first order that it actually might be a little bit more interesting than the state of the resistance at this point. hmm What we learned in this episode was that we've known for a bit, at least have we known or have I, have we just been speculating that the fir- First Order is mining planets and then destroying the villages and destroying every piece of evidence that is possible for their mining? And in this episode, we find out that they're mining for Deadlanite, um, which is the stuff that they make blasters out of, which I think is really interesting because they totally could have gone for the Kyber but I think Deadlanite was a safer choice for them to do because there's only so much kyber in the universe that, you know, it's kind of a resource that is coveted, essentially. And I'm sure there's no almost like zero kyber left after the mining yeah. from two Death Stars. So yeah. I think it's it's almost like innovative, in my opinion, that they would go for the stuff that makes blasters. And clearly it worked because the Starkiller base was able to destroy multiple planets at once by this uh, resource. I just got to say that Deadlinite kind of sounds like detonate, which mm. I just appreciate the wordplay, uh, word association, if it were. Um <laughs> Yeah, I thought it was really interesting how they were mining this rather than kyber. But then you think about like how much we saw that giant kyber crystal in Rebels. And then, of mm-hmm. course, um, that's what they're mining for on Jetta. And I don't think we really – they've got the kyber in um, – I always forget this planet name. Ilum? Yeah. Ilum. Yeah, in Clone Wars. Um, so, I, I mean, I bet you're right. There's probably a shortage – of kyber because if anyone knows where there's kyber crystal snoke knows where there's kyber crystal (laughs) right um but i wonder if he like maybe has it saved for something else something bigger um or he's you know he's a bit of a purist and is like no 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 no, that's for we don't use that we're gonna use something else Mm -hmm. um i think it could go a lot of ways I think you're right about that. Like, that actually brings up an interesting theory that potentially, like, Snoke is kind of, like you said, a purist for the Kyber and is, like, it can only use to be used for lightsabers or, you know, the Force and, and not for, like, mass weapons, um, like the Deadlinite. But I I feel like we could all look at the visuals in The Force Awakens and think that what comes out of Starkiller Base is similar to, like, a blaster. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like it is just pretty similar. <laughs> so it, it was, it's kind of interesting that it's, uh, they, they made that connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, I feel like Starkiller base looked 110% complete in this episode. <laughs> so <laughs> I feel like, I feel like it is, we're so close to the force awakens. <laughs> like so like, close. The, the timeline of resistance stresses me the F out. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> really, like, for Poe, for Leia, for Kaz, so much for Kaz, for the Colossus, it really stresses me out. 
And because I think we're so used to this mentality that like the the timelines don't overlap. And Mm -hmm. it's like when one ends, the other picks up. You know, we're just like these shows and these different movies, they fill in gaps um, and lead us to the next chapter. Um, So having these like overlapping chapters, I'm like, I don't know what to do. It's first the resistance is totally screwed. Like the first order is just really gearing up. You know, <laughs> no one knows anything really. We, the audience, <laughs> know way more than them. Um, it's funny when all these things are going on. Like the show really does have an overall message of hope um, and like joy that I think is kind of remarkable <laughs> given the fact that yes, this is a Star War and. <laughs> Um, like things are happening and constructing and assembling that are not so good. Yes, things are being assembled as we speak in the world of Star Wars. <laughs> I wonder if the Colossus is going to become something like what we saw with, with Lethal. That because if you remember in our Rebels recaps, they're always like, okay, so what's the state of the rebellion? And I remember in the finale of Rebels, which this is minor Rebels spoilers if you haven't listened or caught up with Rebels, skip ahead a, a minute or two. Um, but I remember in that finale episode of Rebels where we said, what's the state of the rebellion? The state of the rebellion is that the Rebels don't actually care what the state of the rebellion is. Like they chose to stay on Lethal and like protect Lethal um, mm-hmm. and like didn't actually in the end, join the rebellion in the fullest sense, which was like a wonderful twist of irony. Uh, mm-hmm. But I wonder if something like similar could happen with the Colossus. I don't know. Maybe. Only time yeah. will tell. I don't know. I don't know. But I think we have some good character beats to talk about, uh, particularly with Kaz. So are you ready to move on into part three? Yes, let's do it. Listen, big deal. You got another problem. Women always figure out the truth. Always. All right, welcome to part three where we're talking about characters. And um, we did have a little bit of Tam and Jaeger at the start of this episode. Um, And it was really interesting, uh, Jaeger kind of uh, talking about how he knew Tam was going to come and complain about uh, him letting Kaz borrow the fireball. <laughs> and lo and behold, she did. And we've talked about this a number of times, like the jealousy um, and kind of the that Tam's going to be the the harder, not harder person, but the it's going to hit her harder when she finds out that Kaz is a spy and that Jaeger knew about it. Um, mm-hmm. So how does this like little itty bitty clip we saw of her at the beginning kind of play into that? It's interesting because I thought it was just kind of an uh, – almost a weird move for them to start the episode this way. But I guess it kind of makes sense because on the surface, this episode is about Kaz and Poe, but they did have to link it back somehow to um, the Colossus and, you know, Kaz's relationship with that crew there. And I think it just kind of reminds us that there's that underlying kind of jealousy in the fact that Yeager knows more about Kaz than um Tam does and there's that like a tiny bit of conflict there and I think that the purpose of the episode starting there is to kind of remind the audience that yes that conflict exists and it will come up again when Kaz is finally revealed to be a spy to Tam it's just like I feel like the show is constantly reminding us that there's these character intricacies that will have a bigger impact later Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's one of the things we love so much about the Colossus that we talked about, particularly with Tora and uh, Doza last episode, that everything is like so layered and complex in this like one setting, and it's really mm-hmm. cool. 
Um, so mm-hmm. I think it was good that we started there and we're kind of reminded that Sam thinks that Jaeger favors Kaz a lot and cuts him too much slack, but she doesn't really – she doesn't know the real reason why. And mm-hmm. the longer that goes on, yeesh. It's funny because if you think about the specifics of that is – Poe needed to get, I mean, Poe, Kaz needed to get off of the Colossus. He needed to get off planet. And um, Yeager's like, yeah, whatever. Like, take the freaking fireball. Like, who even cares? Like, take it. And, like, didn't even consult with anyone about it. Like, I feel like Yeager doesn't really care that much about Kaz. And (laughs) therefore didn't really, like, even check the diagnostics or didn't even check with Tam about that at all. I don't know. I probably am totally wrong on that, Um, but I think it's kind of funny that like it's funny too because of course Kaz was like, "I've done all the systems checks. Everything is fine." (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. That's what I mean. And it's like you're just like, "Yeah, just take it. Like, whatever. I'll deal with the repercussions later." But (laughs) narrator, narrator. Yeah, it was not fine. (laughs) Yeah, it really was not fine. Rather BBA. It is not fine. No, the, the beginning <laughs> of that was like everything beeping wildly, saying that basically Kaz was going to die. And Kaz literally is like, this is fine. This is totally fine. <laughs> I love Kaz. Me too. So much. <laughs> Speaking of him, this was his like first basically like fish out of water experience in terms of like being a true resistance fighter. Um, I don't think I even realized that he hadn't had a blaster at all until this episode. Um, And when Poe hands him the blaster, I was reminded of that scene in The Force Awakens with um, Han and Rey. And Rey's Mm -hmm. like, yeah, you just pull the trigger. (laughs) And you got to remove the safety. And, you know, there's a lot more to it than that. So, um, but I think obviously what played out was a little different than the Rey and Han situation. But, I I feel like this was like a moment of here's your blaster, here's your first weapon that's not just like a simulator, and it, here we're gonna throw you into this like literal battle um, with stormtroopers, and I feel like it it was a big deal for Kaz. Yeah, it goes back a lot to that question we kind of posed at the beginning about why Poe picked Kaz. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's not like Kaz does have that kind of experience and. Uh, it plays a lot into Poe's cockiness, I think, that we've discussed quite a bit, um, that Poe kind of sees something of himself in Kaz and just kind of assumes that Kaz is going to, like, get it done. But in these wartime mm-hmm. situations, it's kind of like you get it done or you get dead. Um, but, like, Poe's always kind of so lighthearted about it. Um, mm-hmm. It makes for an interesting, like, juxtaposition of those tones because – Kaz has never held a gun and Poe's like, listen, when someone shoots at you, you got to shoot back. And you're like, yep. okay, whoa. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's, it's a bit jarring, honestly. I agree. I, I had some, like I kind of mentioned in the beginning of the episode, I I had some moments where I was like, whoa, Poe, like, can you relax or like maybe not be so like near cruel <laughs> to Kaz? <laughs> As for some of these things, it's like this is first time. Relax, <laughs> but <laughs> I, I thought something was. I thought it was really interesting that yes, Kaz is like basically running around this station like in a ball of anxiety <laughs> and worry. But I don't think the show kind of shows that as a weakness, but instead kind of shows it as a um, a strength, which I think was really great. Um, 
he was the one that was he was totally right to get off the station. He was the one that actually found the purpose of the station first when um, they were both on the computer. Mm-hmm. And he was completely right about the fact that it they did trigger an alarm for the first order. And yeah. I I feel like the show like that's that's three separate occasions that the show kind of proves that Kaz's instincts were right. And to go to your earlier question about like why did Poe pick Kaz to be a resistance fighter, maybe maybe he didn't even know it, but he kind of could sense that Kaz had good instincts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was really impressed too when Kaz, because if you remember from the very first episode when Kaz like had this like he saw a hologram of Leia, he like totally mm-hmm. freaked out. He was like, oh, my God, she's going like, to tell her she's so great. Like, she's my everything. <laughs> and <laughs> he was basically like, queen. <laughs> um, same. <laughs> right? I mean, same. Um, but in this episode, he actually got to talk to Leia. And, he w- and, like, he was so confident. Like, we've talked a lot about how, like, no one has really taught Kaz how to be a spy. And even though he's come up against a lot of hurdles and, like, hiccups in this first half of the season you know at the end he hands that disc to Leia like so confidently like here's the first order's proposal it's decrypted it's loaded on this disc and it's ready for you to look at Mm -hmm. (laughs) ma'am um and you're right like he did have a lot of good instincts in this episode because like his his mishaps have have like he's been learning from his mishaps on the Colossus, which I think is really great. And I know for the first couple of episodes, we were like, oh, Kaz like just isn't doing anything right. And like, you know, it's part of the bigger game. Like he has to start at the bottom in order to like appreciate where he's gone. But sometimes I felt like, you know, watching these episodes week to week, it was like, oh my God, like when is he going to get any better? <laughs> mm-hmm. But now <laughs> like looking back over the first half of the series, you're like, yes, these were all like really small steps. I feel like that he made because in the first three episodes, three or four episodes, like he made no progress <laughs> at all. <laughs> I mean, if you remember the first or second episode where he's literally just like walking suspiciously around in like the marketplace, like looking for suspicious people, like <laughs> that's not at all what you do. Um, but then to see him here and kind of see the culmination of the things he's learned in the past couple of episodes, um, actually being like a fairly decent spy, it's been a good payoff. And I think it, I think we're about to to move into the chapter of Kaz, like really getting used to what he's doing and being a little better at it. I really feel like Kris Jenner in the early seasons of Keeping Up with the Crashians, where she was like, (laughs) you're doing amazing, sweetie. Like, I really feel (laughs) like you're doing amazing, sweetie, Cass. Like, you you got this. You're learning. I was like, like, Kris Jenner. I was like, do you mean Christopher Sean? What are we talking about here? (laughs) No, no, no. Keeping Up with the Crashians. (laughs) My bad. (laughs) And I just I'm I'm so proud of Kaz for learning. It's like it's really a good payoff though when you see a character who mm-hmm. whose arc is in motion and it's like very clear. And I think this is obviously a character journey that we're not completely unfamiliar with with Star Wars animation. Like it's essentially mm-hmm. Ahsoka's journey, right? Yeah. Um it's pretty similar at least. Uh, Ahsoka shows up kind of cocky but unknowing. And I don't think that um Kaz was ever cocky, but I do think that he had a certain like understanding of how he thought the world was. Mm-hmm. And things are a little bit unraveling and changing because he is learning from his mistakes and from the people around him too, mm-hmm. which is pretty similar to Ahsoka. But I I am just proud of him. 
<laughs> and I, I think this is only 11 episodes that we've gotten yeah. so far of the show. And in so far, like, I think that there isn't a character that I don't like in the entire show. And I feel like I'm seeing significant growth and character development with all of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do too, 100%. We drew this parallel a couple episodes ago of Kaz to Finn and having mm-hmm. this like moment where he finally realizes what it is that he's joined up in because mm-hmm. I don't really think he gets it. Um, he mm-hmm. doesn't really know what the Resistance is or really what they're fighting for. And that's due in part to the fact that the Resistance doesn't really know what's going on with the First <laughs> Order. Um, <laughs> but also because like Poe was just like, all right, I'm going to put you on the Colossus and, like, be a spy. <laughs> um, see ya. <laughs> see you in a couple rotations, kid. <laughs> um, we'll meet at Aunt <laughs> But in this episode, we're kind of getting a little bit closer to that, like, moment. And I really hope that we see that moving forward into the back half of season one and, of course, further into seasons two and three and 87 – um of Kaz like really understanding like making that choice like Finn makes that choice in The Last Jedi to be like no I know wholeheartedly what I'm signing up for and I know who I'm for and who I'm against and I'm Mm -hmm. like really confident in that decision and I'm really excited to see that Kaz um and I think that's gonna come up with a lot of friction with our other characters back on the Colossus particularly with Yeager and Tora I think Mm -hmm. and I'm really excited to see that me too um, I thought it was really cool the way that in that that those those like breathless couple of minutes when you don't know if Kaz is, has lived or died in the explosion, which of course he did. I mean, didn't. <laughs> he is alive. <laughs> That's not clear. Um, I thought the metaphor of him being being able to pl- hide in plain sight on the asteroid was pretty on the nose in a good way. It really does make you think about. Okay, at this point in the season, Kaz has actually learned how to hide in plain sight and be a spy when mm-hmm. that's something he didn't know before. Um, and those things yeah. are one-to-one. That is like a clear comparison and extremely purposeful that that's the move he decided to do. Rather than some like fancy, you know, ship thing, he just he hid in plain sight. He waited it out. And that's exactly what he's going to do or sh- and should do as a spy. Yeah, and and that's what we see too in Empire Strikes Back as well. They hide yeah. the asteroid. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yes, that's a clear comparison. But I think that in terms of Kaz's character journey, I think that he wouldn't have made that move like a couple of episodes ago. He didn't, mm-hmm. in fact, yeah. when he was out running the First Order. What I liked is in so in the part we referenced earlier, where their Poe is about to blow up the like the I want to say it's a bomb, but it's like detonators um Mm -hmm. when you know poe or kaz is like don't you know we're supposed to not engage like we're supposed to not engage and poe's like just give it another second and poe rather than shooting the stormtroopers shoots the doors the like control panels for the doors and they all shut and then later on when kaz is by himself and he's separated he does the same thing like he saw Mm -hmm. poe do it and he was like oh good idea (laughs) (laughs) the control panel rather than the stormtrooper um because it actually traps them so Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really liked that, like, little detail of, like, even in these, like, really high intense intensity and stressful situations, Kaz is still paying attention and still kind of taking things in. He's becoming a faster learner. Yes. What a good boy. 
<laughs> so proud. <laughs> I let's talk about Leia in this episode. So, um, if you guys haven't heard the news, like new voice actress, which is great. God, Lucasfilm there dealt with that. Um, but how was it to see Leia and hear her speak in this episode? And like, what did, what does it mean for Leia? It was good. Um, I really liked having her on screen. I really liked that she had a hair brooch. Thought it was really <laughs> nice. <laughs> but I liked how her relationship with Poe was similar to what we see in The Force Awakens and in The Last Jedi, too. Um, I thought she acted just how I thought she would act. And what we talked mm-hmm. about earlier, too, where she's, you know, she's kind of gathering this information and and strategizing how best to use it for what she needs in the upcoming months. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um, I thought this the the line of um, Kaz saying, I think there would be a lot of people who would be willing to help if they knew what was at stake. And she goes, I hope you're right, Kazuda. Kazuda. Um, love that she used his, first, his full name, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got really sad in that part because, you know, Kaz – isn't right no one showed up on in the last jedi to help them and i i got i just got i don't know i think that that was like a pretty poignant line where you're kind of filled with hope because kaz like believes that people will help and believes in the good in people but um what we know as an audience is that no one showed up and maybe there's a greater reason for that that we'll find out in nine but it is it was kind of a little sad. And I thought that Leia's portrayal in this episode was a little somber and sad. And I think that that's, that's actually fine because in this point in her life, she's lost a lot of people and is basically leading a rebellion that everyone thinks that she's the head, but here she is talking about how it's, it's a whole, it's a group effort. I'm just here basically at the, at the trying to steer the ship. Right. And I, I, I fell for her because I, I think that she wants to instill in others that it really is a group effort, that it's not just her, which I think that even all the dissenters of the resistance, like the people that really don't like resistance existing, um, like to put the blame on the crazy extremist Leia Organa, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's very much like she's the figurehead and people forget mm-hmm. that she's just, she's not a figurehead, um, but she is like the representative of mm-hmm. the resistance and people know that and given like her history with vader and with the rebellion and with luke skywalker and there's just a lot going on so i think it makes sense for her to have this somber like you were saying like uh portrayal because she has a lot, <laughs> she's got a lot going on well it's ju- it's just so sad because even in previous episodes we've heard that like she's extremely interested in intel and kylo ren and yeah. it's like Oh, she walks out of that hallway and looks at her like little iPad data pad thing. And it's like, yeah. uh, is she just trying to literally track her son? Like, that's sad to me. In that's her, so sad. Brother. Yeah. And her brother and her, honestly, probably her husband too. Like yeah. <laughs> tracking all these people who have like removed themselves from her life and Ugh. like all purposefully. Right. So it's, it's just kind of sad to me. Not kind of sad. It's super sad. It's too sad. I bet she knows where Han is. I bet she. Yeah. I bet she. Leia Organa installed some kind of tracker on Han Solo years ago. Nothing can convince <laughs> me otherwise. 
Um, but yeah, it's like this, she like follows his daughter around and knows where he is, but knows that they can't be together because of like all the damage that has been done in their family. Mm -hmm. It's like, and then like, not only that, but then you have this whole like galaxy wide conflict that Leia knows is like about to reach a boiling point because Mm -hmm. as we know, Star Wars is like a pot of spaghetti. <laughs> Bring it back. Bring it back. <laughs> Good. So where are we right now? Again? Um, no, I think what we said is that like every episode is like another temperature up. Yeah, just like one the, degree like, or like a half degree. Yeah. yeah. Again, I don't know where we are in the timeline exactly because like Force Awake – didn't we say Force – no, Last Jedi is draining the pasta, right? <laughs> I think so. We might need to revisit this. I know. Let's go back. I don't know. Anyway, everything is still simmering. We're probably the water boils at what two twelve. We're probably at like one ninety eight. If I had to guess, (laughs) taking just a wild guess. Just a wild guess on the temperature gauge. One ninety (laughs) eight degrees Fahrenheit. Well, the thing is, if they were like actually if, if the next two episodes are literally like the force awakens time i wouldn't even be surprised like i feel like we're actually that close <laughs> that so, so me out <laughs> i know and i i just like i feel like i have no other clues about the timing and in, in terms of the force awakens we are like just that close so i feel like mm-hmm. it's coming it might even come by the end of the season i think it does come by the end of the season i think that was confirmed so it's not, like it's coming not, not ready for kaz to lose hosni and prime me neither. Is anything going to affect me as much as sad, Kaz? <sighs> I don't know, Caitlin. I feel like you're oh, going to no. be really sad about Kaz being sad. Really sad because all our other characters that I like feel very whole, like wholeheartedly for, I've seen sad a number of times, and so like I can deal with it. But Kaz <laughs> is like never super sad. Like he's had this very sheltered life, and it's it's that very sheltered home is literally about to be exploded. Exactly. Do you have any theories for what's to come? We kind of touched on it earlier, but I was really glad that they brought up Kaz's father again, because we talked Mm -hmm. about this at the very start of the show that Kaz's father could like be in conflict with Kaz and his spying mission. And Kaz is like very certain that his father would be on like the right side of the war, the quote unquote right side. Um, Mm -hmm. But I kind of have a sinking suspicion that his father isn't. And, well, that's a theory I have anyway, or is more kind of like a Joza, like a morally gray Mm -hmm. character, whereas um, I don't really think Kaz is like that. And so seeing that kind of conflict, I'm really interested in, particularly in how it pertains to the, um, what happens at Hosni and Prime. So I Mm -hmm. I hope we see that storyline play out a little bit more because I'm really interested in it. And I think it'd be great to like see Kaz's parents, possibly even see Hosni and Prime before it blows up and learn a little bit more about how he grew up. Yeah, that was my one of my really big wants is to have more of an emotional connection to that scene in The Force Awakens by understanding Hosni and Prime a little bit better. I think we do from Bloodline, but I still would like it to, like to see it visually. And I don't know, like I keep thinking about like how that's all going to play out. And I feel like there's a couple of different ways it could, but I do think that there could potentially be like Kaz knowing something about um, whether it's like the full plan about Starkiller base destroying Hosnian Prime and the planets around 
Um, and then trying to tell his father and potentially his father, like getting angry that he was in the resistance and then his father, like not listening and then for therefore dying or mm. I, I don't know. I feel like there's, there's a lot of different ways that this could play out like super tragically and it could all have to do and like hinge on the fact that his father finds out that he's a part of the resistance. I was going to say, what if there's a situation where Kaz, I don't know how it would work like with the technology, but like Kaz can either tell his family to get off Hosnian Prime or he can tell the resistance about Starkiller Base. Yeah, like there might be an ultimatum that way. And I feel yeah. like oh, that's that's pretty heavy for a kid show, but I I feel like they are going to play up. There's all these different things happening with his family dynamic that it's it's not an easy family dynamic. So that makes me think that there's going to be some sort of choice involved in Intel that he has and a reveal about him being a resistance spy. Because yeah. probably at this point, like, does his family still think he's with like the New Republic Navy still? I have no idea. Or what? Also, like, what does the New Republic Navy even teach you if not how to use the blaster? simulator i I guess guess. maybe they just teach you like the controls of a ship and never like actual blaster huh yeah i don't know i don't know i don't know either i just people just need to teach kaz some things every once in a while kaz just needs to learn (laughs) kaz just needs to learn but like really proud of where he's come so far me too me too but i think the second half of the season I think it will be pretty similar to the first half in the fact that we're going to get even deeper with the characters and everything, and it'll only all bubble up to The Force Awakens. So, <sighs> Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. I hope we see more of the family. That's kind of my wish, and uh, I'm excited to get back to the Colossus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If we could rate this first part of the Resistance on like a number scale from 1 to 10, what would we give it? I'd give it a solid, like, 8.5. I think I'd say 9 out of 10. I feel like I haven't had an episode that I, like, really not liked and wouldn't want to rewatch. Yeah. Which, even with Rebels, like, I didn't have. Yeah. I think so, too. I There are just some things that I wish were done a little better, particularly with, like, Jaeger and the Marcus storyline. The fact that we Mm -hmm. still don't really know the aces. Um, and like some of the pacing was a little weird on a couple episodes, but like overall, I like I love this series, and I love, love, love Kaz so much. Yeah, I think the voice acting is really strong. I think the level of the amount of diversity in all the different voice actors yeah. and actresses Amazing. is like is is really like admirable. And I don't think a lot of television shows are doing this this that right now. And I feel like it really is doing a lot to further my understanding of this time period in a way that I don't even think I realize until like I sit back and reflect about it. Um, mm-hmm. And for that reason, like it is it it really is so much better than I was expecting. And obviously, if you're listening to this episode right now, you're also following along. But if you guys know anyone who's on the fence about watching Resistance, like I would see. I think it's really great. And I think once the first season is done and is on some sort of platform to be bingeable or something, I think it will gain a bigger following than it has now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, just the, like the intrigue level 
in Resistance is like off the charts, just about everything. Um, yeah. Both related to our characters, to the First Order, to like sequel trilogy characters. There's just, there's like something around every corner that just makes you think about all the possibilities that are coming down the line. And for that, I really love this show. And I love the, I love the humor in it. Like I said, there hasn't been an episode where I haven't laughed out loud. And uh, I really appreciate that. Yeah, me too. Me too. I think it's so funny. It's just it's like, fun. it is such a joy. I always forget what it's like when we have a new Star Wars show every week, like a new piece mm-hmm. of Star Wars content. Like I, I'm actually like when I was watching it today and I started the episode, I was like, this is so amazing that like I in this 22 minute episode, like I could learn something that could fundamentally change my understanding of something that I see in the movies. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's so exciting to have that nugget of Star Wars content each week. And I'm going to miss it when it's on the mid-season break. But mm-hmm. we all I need know. it, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I guess we do for what, as we discussed earlier, what's coming in 2019. <laughs> so just like rest up now, Star Wars fans, because 2019 <laughs> will not what let you live from yeah. what I can gather. So <laughs> Totally. Anything else that you want to add before we wrap? Kazuda Ziona, I love you. (laughs) He's such a good boy. I love you and I'm proud of you. Keep doing you. (laughs) Keep trying. You got this, bro. (laughs) (laughs) We're here supporting you. Hey, Kaz, you nice. Keep going. I just really like Christopher Sean too. I hope that we get to meet him at Celebration. Me too. I think I think he's he seems like such a nice guy, and he actually seems to really love Kaz too. And I just love yeah. when actors love their characters and like feel a sense of I don't know if ownership is the right word, but like a connection to their characters, and mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah, I do too. I yeah, I would like to meet him. He seems like a really fun guy. But I think that it's going to wrap up our Resistance reviews for. The year. Wow. Whoa. So I hope you guys have enjoyed it. Um, we're going to go back and re-listen to our spaghetti analogy. So we need to write that down, Charlotte. we got to write that down. And uh, if you want to find us, you know how. You can find us on Twitter at SkyTalkersPod or on our personal handles. Mine is at Caitlin Plusher and Charlotte's is at Clarity. You can also head on over to SkyTalkers.com or our Instagram, SkyTalkersPodcast. Um, and if you like what you hear and you want to support us, you can head on over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. It helps people find our show. Yep. And I just want to thank our amazing patrons, Amy, Joanna, Mary, Larry, Gina, James, Tracy, Sarah, Susanna, Z, Cherie, Angela, Diana, Becca, Lynn, Katie, Courtney, Brian, Megan, Amy, Kelly, Jim, Suara, BJ, I, Rebel, David, Claudia, Kate, Brooklyn, Lady Valkyrie, Jenny, Blessed Cheesemaker, Danny, Lumpararoo, Patrick, James, Hamsa, From a Certain Point of View, The Dorky Diva Show, Megan, Stewart, Kyle, Jennifer, Kells, Chastity, Aliyah, Travis, Katie, Daniela, Alyssa, Rebecca, Andy, Delaney, Angela, Ali, Natalia, Dawes, Serene, Shireen, Jordan, Molly, Chell, Aaron, Megan, Rebecca, Lauren, Tom, Edith, Adam, Connie, Robbie, Kirsty, Brandon, and Chuck. Thank you guys so much for supporting us. Your support means the world. Thank you guys so much. And until next time, may the force be with you. May the force be with you.
Sky Talkers is a member of the Star Wars Escape Pods Network. Explore more great content and get to know our sister shows at WeAreEscapePods.com and on Twitter at WeAreEscapePods. The Star Wars Escape Pods Network, promoting positivity in fandom.